effective strategist because he has had exceptional rapport with an exceptionally capable politician who brought intuition, skills, and independent judgment to the task. But in the Bush-Rove partnership, Rove's assignment was to master the theory and practicalities of winning elections. As with Clinton, our focus is not on the features of Rove's method that are sui generis but on those that could be adapted by anyone serious about presidential politics. Clinton and Rove understand how to win elections better than anyone of their generation. In making this comparison, it is not our intent to elevate Rove to the level of a principal. His power, while commanding, has been derivative. As with all campaign advisors and White House staff hands, he remains hired help. Nor is it our aim to reduce Clinton from president to campaign operative, nor to exaggerate his political talents. As detailed in these pages, his successes as a strategist were punctuated by extravagant failures. He won two elections in part because he had his own equivalents of Rove, people such as James Carville and Paul Begala in 1992, and Dick Morris in 1996. Still, when it comes to understanding presidential campaigns, Clinton and Rove are of equal stature. While Clinton and Rove are famous for their political smarts, there is little understanding of what specifically makes them so smart and makes them winners. Both gave interviews for this project. There may be people who recoil at the suggestion that Clinton or Bush and Rove should be called winners. What is so impressive... Clinton critics might reasonably ask about a Democratic president who never achieved a majority in either of his two presidential elections and who helped steer his party to minority status in Congress. Does becoming the second president in U.S. history to be impeached represent the way to win? Bush skeptics, meanwhile, might wonder why, if this book is about winning presidential elections, it does not celebrate Al Gore, who won more votes than Bush in 2000. Even Bush's unambiguous 2004 victory was achieved by coolly exploiting the advantages of being a wartime president. Now that same war threatens to sink his presidency. If Bush and Rove know the way to win, why can't they figure out how to do it in Iraq? We answer by emphasizing again what this book is and what it is not. This is an effort to identify and explain the strategies and techniques of those who have won presidential elections and policy battles over the past generation and identify their singular skills. This is not a book about a justification for the war in Iraq or the merits of tax cuts. It is not an attempt to relitigate the contested 2000 election. It is not an attempt to assess presidential records in a historical context. Even in the context of contemporary politics, reputations are highly fluid. When we embarked on this project at the Little Rock Library dedication in the wake of the 2004 election, many Republicans believed, and many Democrats feared, that the newly re-elected president, through his political and policy victories, had shifted the balance of power in America in long-term ways, a realignment in the parlance of political scientists. Demoralized Democrats, like the hapless pursuers of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, gazed at Bush and Rove and wondered, who are those guys? But by the fall of 2005, 
an assortment of political and policy debacles, the failure of social security reform, the bungled response to Hurricane Katrina, the grinding war in Iraq, had left Bush with some of the lowest job approval ratings of any modern president. In 2006, the war dragged on sullenly. Congressional Republicans were mired in scandal, and the hope for the party was to avoid a rout in the midterm elections, never mind the dream of realignment. It seemed entirely possible that the 12-year GOP reign on Capitol Hill would soon come crashing down, leaving Bush to limp through the balance of his second term. After nearly two years under the shadow of a criminal investigation in the Valerie Plame CIA leak case, Rove was cleared by Special Prosecutor Patrick Fitzgerald in June 2006. Still, Rove remained the chief political strategist for a crippled presidency. Not exactly the mark of a genius. Election success cannot be viewed as separate and distinct from governing failure. As adherents of the permanent campaign in which politics and policy are always integrated, Clinton and Rove would agree. But neither do the setbacks Clinton and Bush faced in their second terms negate their electoral achievements. Clinton in 1992 was the first Democrat to be elected president in 12 years, and in 1996 he was the first Democrat to win two consecutive elections since Franklin D. Roosevelt. Bush in 2000 defeated an incumbent party that was running amid peace and prosperity. In 2002, he defied historical trends by leading his party to big gains in the midterm elections. In 2004, despite deep public unease over the economy and the Iraq war, Bush beat a Democratic Party that had never been more energized or better organized. This record amply demonstrates that Clinton, Bush, and Rove know something about the way to win. Conservatives who decried Clinton's alleged character defects as blatantly disqualifying still must wonder how he bested them so often. Liberals who behold Bush's political strategist as Satan scan the Democratic Party and ask plaintively, where is our Karl Rove? The way to win is meant partly for fun. We are not political strategists and we do not presume to give advice to politicians. But, as political reporters, we share the obsession with electoral strategy and maneuver, not to mention with the gaudy carnival of presidential elections. But the way to win is meant mainly as serious argument. The United States is on the brink of what promises to be one of the most intensely fought and consequential presidential elections in its history. American politics has grown more heated, suspicious, and erratic. It is less apt to confront, illuminate, and resolve genuine issues. The Bushes and Clintons have governed in this deteriorating environment, and in certain ways they are responsible for the situation. People who think American politics is broken and needs fixing must reckon with the impact of these leaders and their political allies. Divisive though they may be, both families have won political victories in this perilous new environment. Their trade secrets are not gimmicks or abstractions, but substantive ideas and tactics gleaned through tough experience. The candidate who masters their lessons will take the White House in 2008.
November 18, 2004, was very much Bill Clinton's day. His bid for historical immortality was ready to open its doors. A gargantuan glass and steel structure on the banks of the Arkansas River. How had the Bushes come to honor a Clinton on that slick stage in Little Rock? Twelve years earlier, Clinton's 1992 victory had sent George H.W. Bush into involuntary retirement. The elder Bush had spent the fall campaign alerting the country to Clinton's alleged misdeeds and kept faith until nearly the end that voters ultimately would take heed of his warnings. A few days after the election, as they strolled through the Maryland woods at Camp David, Bush turned to Colin Powell, his top military advisor, and confessed, I just never thought they'd elect him. Don't understand it. Now, in the pouring rain, the first President Bush at last was ready with an explanation. Of course, it always has to be said that Bill Clinton was one of the most gifted American political figures in modern times. Trust me, I learned this the hard way. After years of enmity, the former presidents had, in the preceding months, developed a curious affection for each other, linked by the bond of shared experience and power. Bush's son, when he took the podium, emphasized not Clinton's smooth southern moves, but his steely, unshakable strength. The president is not the kind to give up a fight, his successor said. His staffers were known to say, if Clinton were the Titanic, the iceberg would sink. These were gracious nods to an old adversary, but the 41st and 43rd presidents were indulging in a common tendency to view Bill Clinton's successes through the prism of his mystique, as though he had superhuman...